Hi, everyone. We are lucky here at the Dinner Party Download because we have great advertisers supporting our show. Mm. And in order to continue doing that, we need your help. Yes. So if you could please go to podsurvey.com slash dinner and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us to get to know you a little bit better. That's right. That way we can show sponsors just how great our listeners are and their offerings can be aligned with your tastes. And by the way, even if you've taken a listener survey for DPD before, this one is new and it's different. So we would really love for you to take it. Plus, once you've completed the survey, you can enter to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Not shabby. Not shabby at all. So to go take the survey, head to podsurvey.com slash dinner. That's podsurvey.com slash dinner. Thank you so much for your help. And now, let's play the speakeasy music right here. That's right, everybody. You're listening to Speakeasy. This is a occasional bonus series in which Brendan and I find some stuff that we weren't able to include on our regular show, and we play it for you, and we talk about it off the cuff. AKA we speak easily about it. How are I you today? I think we flip. I usually I flip it where it's like we where it's a show where we can just speak our minds freely. Yes. And we also do include some bonus things. We happen to include these things, so it's mainly about us jabbering. It's about famous people keeping people engaged so they hear us jabber. I see. Famous people are an enticement. It's a way to sneak in our egos on the tales of famous people, is what you're saying. But speaking of the tales of famous people, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, he is a... Now, I'm just going to call him a friend of our show because we've mentioned him a couple times. He's been on several times. Yeah. I think once you mention someone three times, they're your friend. Uh, fantastic. Um, Beyonce, Beyonce, Beyonce. <laughs> Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Joe Biden. <laughs> That's um, the difference between you and me right there. <laughs> I don't. I, I never took you for a Beyonce person. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Interesting. I don't think you did either. I'm not sure I did either. We're, we're learning a lot right now. Uh, but anyway, those folks aside, let's talk about Neil deGrasse Tyson. We're going to do a little behind the scenes here. Yes. Um, we had him in a, into our, our studio to do the, our Look Up and Listen show, which yes. uh, was our recent outdoor audio odyssey, uh, which you can find on this very podcast feed a couple episodes above this one. Yes. Uh, and if you haven't listened, we encourage you to do so. Or below this one, I think, is how it works. Or below this one. Yeah. It's nearby. It's adjacent. Uh, and Neil Neil came by to talk, and he was game. He was like, I'll do whatever you guys want. People know who he is, right? We don't, we don't have to tell people who he is. I don't think you need to tell anyone who Neil deGrasse Tyson is, no. For the, yeah, he hosted the reboot of Cosmos. That's probably the most obvious thing. But he's a genius and an awesome dude that everyone loves. Literally a genius. So if you don't know him, you're wrong. You're a bad person. Okay. So he was in, and then we were just like, all right, we're going to freestyle with you, Neil. We're going to talk to you about the stars. He kind of knew that going in. But we want to do this audio theater where we encounter you in the wild. And we thought it'd be funny if you just were kind of talking to a coyote about, I don't know, let's say something like Albert Einstein. The idea was that we were were stumbling upon him in the wild, and he's like in mid-conversation with this wolf. And we're like, maybe you were uh, talking to the wolf about how Einstein used hairspray. And then after we said that, Neil said this. Um, yeah, it's just that uh, hairspray wasn't a thing yet. Um, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, we didn't have those chemicals You didn't have out. CFCs then? We didn't know how to destroy ozone yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that accuracy. That was kind of emergent. Like, it's, he died in the 50s, but it was like a 1950s thing. That's when hair got big. Remember when hair got big and poofy? With oh, like hairspray. Oh, yeah, right, that's and right. And all of this. Hairspray takes place in that time. That makes sense now, which yeah. I didn't see it because I can't afford tickets to Broadway. Oh, well, it's the movie, Hairspray. <laughs> oh, There's right. a movie as well, you know. What if you're like, you know, everybody with big hair is just copying Einstein? Mm. You can just say that. <laughs> or just something like, you know what else? Einstein used to put glue in his hair and do a handstand. <laughs> <laughs> no, how about this? I, instead of asserting what he did do, why don't I question whether he did do it? Okay. Oh, okay. All right. 
Which okay. is? That's safer. So you're just coming up upon me. Yeah. Okay. So I wonder if Einstein used moose in his hair to keep it standing up on end like that. And there you have it. That's how that line arrived. He totally... The rest is audio history. He ad-libbed that line. How many astrophysicists in the world can just kind of like ad-lib comedy? There's like one guy, and it's Neil deGrasse Tyson. We were how much lucky. better would our show be if Neil deGrasse Tyson did everything? That's, I think that's <laughs> a podcast called Star Talk, hosted by Neil Tyson. He was super fun, and that was just the tip of the iceberg. Again, yes. you should go listen to it if you haven't yet. That was from our Look Up and Listen yes. episode. And by the, the way, he's Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's also the the idea of that portion of the Look Up and Listen show was that we were having this outdoor picnic with Neil deGrasse Tyson. And Brendan wisely created that concept because he knew that Neil is actually a fan of wine. Correct. An aficionado. Yes. And you actually, so when we taped that, Brendan actually had wine for the two of them to enjoy. I was not in the same studio, so I didn't get to partake. Did you get a little lit during that interview? Um, we actually didn't drink wine during the interview because I'm not a booze bag despite playing one on the radio. <laughs> but afterwards, um, he hung out in our office and was doing some other interviews that day. Delighted everyone, just hung out and chatted with anyone who came by. He was like, it was almost like he was our super intern. And uh, the, the bottle of wine was there. And then I think someone mentioned, like, should we drink this? Or he mentioned it. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And we did end up popping open the bottle of wine and yeah. sharing it. Oh, I, my producer, Krista, who is here, she has something to say about this. Go ahead. Uh, can, we, can we record her? I don't know if people could hear that the way our studio is set up, but Krista Ripple, our producer, said he ate ice cream cake with us, and it was very exciting. <laughs> and that was true. Ice cream cake becomes more exciting when it's being et with Neil deGrasse. Everyone loved him. But no, he also argued about God, the existence of God, um, the mashup Americans. They were, they were in the studio, and he chatted with them about stuff. Another podcast. Great yes. human being. So thank you, Neil deGrasse Tyson. By the way, speaking of our Look Up and Listen episode, which you just heard, we debuted that show at an outdoor little gathering that we did up at Lassen Volcanic National Park, which is in Northern California. And people, if you have not been there, which the chances are you haven't because it's way in the middle of nowhere, you should really check that joint out. It is unbelievably beautiful. It has Every different kind of volcano can be found in Lassen Volcanic National Park. Am I All remembering that? Four right? kinds. Yes. yes, four kinds of volcanoes. And it's also active, so any moment it could blow. <laughs> that's so slight hyperbole. That's exciting. It's better than just a boring hike. <laughs> that's um, for sure. Also, while driving to actually go to the little part of the park where we held our event, it was so beautiful. The trees were so straight and green that I pulled over my rent car to make sure one wasn't a cell tower. Like, you know those cell towers that were camouflaged look like trees? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that tree is too straight, and those branches look too perfect. And it was real, which was crazy. Yeah. And then I thought I was, I was afraid I was going to get a tick or something, so I got back in the car. Also, um, also check it out if you're up there. I saw a bear. I saw a bear. I was driving along the road. Which no one believes. Yep, no nope. one really believes on staff. I pulled everyone. You don't have to believe no it. No one else saw the bear. We were driving down the road and a big California mm -hmm. black bear went lumbering. Sorry, mm -hmm. I think they're brown bears. Went lumbering across the road all mm -hmm. bear-like. Black, brown, it doesn't matter. You're making it up. You can mm -hmm. make it purple. It was a it was a kaleidoscopic bear of many different colors wearing a cape and a hat. Did it look exactly like the bear on the state flag? Yep, kind of weird. There uh, are bear there, be warned. Let's move on to Katherine Hahn. This is our next guest. Katherine Hahn, star of the Amazon show I Love Dick, also somebody who's worked with the creator of that show on many an occasion and plenty of films. She was also an anchorman, great character actor. Really awesome interview because she's 
irrepressible. Like she's one of those guests that is willing to talk about basically anything and share like very intimate details of herself. I think they're about to hear that. That is exactly correct. So we asked her one of our two standard questions, which is tell us something we don't know. Now, listeners who heard the interview as it aired on our broadcast show heard one of her two answers. This was the other one. Wait, hold on. Before we hit play. Yes. I do. I should just say that this is the behind the scenes part. Sometimes guests give us answers yeah, yeah. and we think to ourselves, mm, not so much for radio. <laughs> yes. This isn't something that we want broadcast in the afternoon in, in certain cities around the country. So sometimes we'll ask them if they have another answer. And so you already heard her other answer. Or if you haven't, you should go listen to that great interview. Yes, which was about frogs. Um, but, but this was the answer that we didn't use. And I'll also give you another little thingamajig, which is Rico and I have a book coming out later this year about dinner parties. Yeah. And we have a list of things you shouldn't talk about at dinner parties. And this is absolutely on that list. It is. But here we go. Tell us something we don't know about you. Oh. Something. Or, or actually, it doesn't have to okay, be Okay, I'll you. tell you something. Uh, One time, when I was in second grade, yes. I knew how to spell the word because, and this girl did not, a yes. bully. And she was jealous of me and mad. And so when we were playing King of the Mountain, she was the king. And she wouldn't let me off of the snow mound to go inside to use the restroom during recess. And so I crapped my pants. (laughs) And then I had to go inside and we had to stand up and say the Pledge of Allegiance. And then my teacher was like, Catherine, maybe we should call your mother. And then my mother wasn't home and my neighbor had to pick me up with crap in my pants. And then she tried to to cheer me up by telling me a story when she peed her pants in school. And I was like, it's not the same thing. And you're not my mother. And also, I don't want to listen to that story. That's a terrible story and a ter- as well. And also, I just was kind of like, uh, I have crap in my pants. <laughs> anyway, that's a little unknown fact. <laughs> there you go. Before we put this on our speakeasy today, we talked about, is this something we even want to release to the wild? But it's it's kind of amazing because it does. It gives you that window into youth, right? Window into childhood and, and the vulnerability. But I, I said that to rationalize it because... As you know, Rico, you have an aversion. I think bathroom matters remain in the bathroom. Although, should remain in the bathroom. Can I, can I, I can't believe I'm including them on my show. But Catherine Hahn is so winning. Yeah. And my favorite parts of that story are the fact that she spelled the word because. Yes. <laughs> like that's what provoked the bullies. That is, that's exactly higher. what I'm talking about. It's like this is yeah. like, there was a time in our lives when <laughs> something the spelling of a word could result in just dire consequences. Yeah, and then I also love the detail at the end when she was like, you're not my mother. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it's a different thing, and you're not my mom. Like, I think that's what makes great storytellers. I do want to pen- point out one thing, though, since we, we mentioned the Look Up and Listen uh, episode earlier. There was a point mm. in the Look Up and Listen episode where the aforementioned talking wolf says, I'm just going to stick around while you guys go off on your adventure because I just want to pee and yawn for a while. And not only did you suggest that we actually hear the wolf pee, you like pushed for it when certain some well, people on the staff. I put in the line. Originally it said yawn, yeah. and then I put in pee and yawn. Yeah. yeah. You wanted that wolf to well, pee it's... despite your aversion to bathroom humor. Okay. First of all, it's a wolf, an imaginary wolf. Um, animals peeing outside. Like, uh, look, people, we've all agreed it's a society for some reason. It's okay for dogs to pee everywhere because no one has to pick up after their dog peeing, right? That's just life in any city, in any town around America. So it's a little bit different than actual bathroom humor because the dogs don't ever go to the bathroom. It's not bathroom humor if the original thing didn't happen or wasn't supposed to happen in a bathroom. So you're, you're only averse to it if it literally occurs in a bathroom. Yeah. I don't even like to talk about flossing. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. 
All right. All right. So we have a. Oh wait. So we're going to take a break, right? That's now, right. right. Or do we not say we're taking a break? We can say we're going to take a break. Uh, you're going to hear from us, one of our wonderful sponsors, right now, and then we'll be back with kind of a cool interview that I did a while back, a goodbye of sorts to uh, a beloved figure from my past. Welcome back to Speak Easy, our special, occasional special episode where we speak easily about things that matter to us and string together interesting bits and bobs of, of audio that we can't use on the radio for whatever reason. Yes. Uh, and the theme of this episode so far has been behind the scenes. And now we're going to get behind the scenes in a little bit of Rico's life and his interest and his hometown. So Rico, sure. do you want to set this up for us? Yeah. I mean, this is a, this is an unusual thing for us. This is an interview that I did a while back with someone who is probably not a celebrity to most people, but I grew up in the town of Pittsburgh, PA, and one of my heroes growing up, I'm a big collector of vinyl records, and one of my heroes growing up was this guy, Jerry, who ran the aptly named Jerry's Records. Many magazines, Rolling Stone, Pace Magazine, several others had named his store one of the best record stores in the world. And he is retiring at the end of July after something like 40 years of being in business. After someone explained Spotify to him. Like, <laughs> yeah. He was like, what? Everything? What? <laughs> That's it. I'm moving to Boca Raton. What's the point? <laughs> he said to himself. Uh, no, a while ago, many years ago, I was back in Pittsburgh and I did an interview with him and we put it on our website, but we never put it on the show. And I thought it might be fun. It was a, it's a cool interview with a, a, a real local character with just an inspiring amount of integrity. You'll hear the Pittsburgh accent in all its glory. You'll also hear a, a very strange buyer come into the store and you'll hear Jerry just ask him how much he wants to pay for a bunch of albums. That's just why I love Jerry. You could just basically say, you take 10 bucks for these, and he'd go, yeah. Anyway, here's the interview, and we hope you enjoy it. Why don't you uh, introduce what this place is and a little of the history? Hi, I'm Jerry from Jerry's Records over here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We're one of the world's largest record stores, and maybe the wor world's largest all-vinyl store, because all we sell is 45, 33s, and 78s. And I've been doing this for 33 and a third years. This is my anniversary. I even had T-shirts made up. 33 and a third years. I don't think I'll make it to 45 years because I'm getting old. And I certainly won't make it to 78 years. But, oh, don't uh, say that. <laughs> we just buy records off of other people who have never carried any new records. We buy off of people who don't want them and sell them to people who do want them. We're closing in on about 2 million records right now. Now, many of them are 45s, about eight or 900,000 45s in the rest albums. Now, a lot of people have gone online to sell this kind of stuff. You don't really do much online I don't trading. I do any eBay. I, I, I actually hate eBay because it artificially inflates the prices of records. It's nice to go and find a record you've been looking for for 4 or $5. It's not so nice when you get in a bidding war and it comes in the mail and you realize you paid $50 for a record it's not even worth that. That seems to me to be a, a choice you've made that is not motivated by money. Very strange in this day and age. Yeah, well, I learned a long time ago I won't be rich, so I might as well be reasonably content. And I provide a job for my son who's basically unemployable. A lot of my workers are basically unemployable. 
So I'm doing a good thing here, you know? It's a charity. And some of my other relatives work here, too, you know? So so you're sort of a little a little entrepreneurial mogul. Yeah, I'm something. I don't, I don't know if I'd say I was that, but uh, I think I'm just an eccentric guy who loves music and got carried away with all these records. As you can see, you know, there's just too, too many records here right now. Uh, how many do you sell in a given month, I guess? Well... I always say I usually buy about 2,000 every week, and I sell about three or 400. Now, you don't have to be uh, go to CMU and be a business major to know that that's not a very good business plan. That's why I'm stuck with 2 million records. Many of them, of those 2 million records, I would say 60%, 70% of them just aren't sellable. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. I'm going to preserve them or something or whatever. In Lucite? No, they make good insulation, actually. You know, all they are is cardboard and plastic. I always tell people, build your shelves along your walls. They'll keep your room warm in, a, in the wintertime, you know? Is that true? It's true. Why wouldn't it be? Insulation is plastic. The many uses of albums, you can't do that with I CDs. So many albums, Rico, that I could actually build a house out of them, you know. If I could find a way to, you know, like you said, loose site them or cover them with uh, polymer or something and just use them for shingles, you know, I could build I know I'd make the paper if I did that. What else could I do with these records, you know? I mean, I'm kind of stuck with them, you know. I'm not the kind of guy that's going to throw them away. Or You came close, though, to closing down a little while ago. That's because I had some health problems, but I lost 100 pounds, and I had diabetes and all that crap, and then I got it all under control, so I, it looks like I'm doomed to live another five or ten years, anyhow. Paste Magazine just mentioned you as one of the best record stores in America. How did that happen? Well, there's a guy from here, Justin Hopper, I don't know if you know him. He had some input. They asked him what if he knew any best record stores. So, you know, of all those stores, though, I'm the only one who's all vinyl. You know, every one of them sells CDs, DVDs, motorcycle jackets, uh, T-shirts, you know, magazines. This Homes. Is the only pure, I think, all vinyl store of this size, you know. Right here, there's like almost 13,000 square feet. And then I have a warehouse. I moved into an old car dealership. It's 17,000 square feet. I live there. I live in one part of it, and the rest is full of records. That's where the other million is right now. Yes. You got a car dealership full of records? Yeah, that's what this used to be, too. You should look around, see all those girders and concrete floors. It's the only place you could actually put records that would stand the weight. You know, the way the car industry is going, you may have more opportunities to buy. Well, yeah, it's funny you said that, because I said, man, I said, it's the time to franchise. There's going to be about 600 used car dealerships, or car dealerships going out of business. You see Jerry's records? Everywhere there is a car dealership? I can make some money, huh? <laughs> But it's a good thought, you know? Sure. How much do you normally sell uh, records for here? Basic price is $3. I bet just 70% of them are 3 Then $4, probably 20%. And then $5 and up the other 10%. That's the more desirable records and the more odd records. But anything that I have a lot of, I sell for 3 bucks usually. Why, why so low? I mean, like... Well, you, because you... that's the way they sell, you know? There's no um, drought on them. These people who have a little store and try to get $10 for Doobie Brothers albums, that's just ruining the hobby too, you know. That's what drives people. They don't even go to them places, you know. That's why they're folding up. You've got the right price point, so you're that's surviving? I know. That's the only reason why. Now, I get a lot of people from overseas come here. They help, actually help keep me afloat. And they'll take out 500 records for three bucks. I'll give them a little discount. They'll take them over, and they'll sell them for, I don't care. You know, I got my three bucks out of them. I probably paid a dollar or something for them or less. So I'm fine. But I mean, they're going to take your product and sell it for more. Why don't you just sell it for more in the first place? Because I don't want to. 
I like to buy records and sell them, you know. And once they're out of my hands, you can only sell them once, Rico. I'm not worried about what you get for it. I get kids all the time coming there. You'll buy it and they'll go, you know, I can get $30 for this on eBay. I said, well, God bless you. Go get it. You really I would prefer if they said, I've been looking for this record all my life. It's my favorite record. I want to play it. I can't wait to play it. That's what I like. I don't like people that buy records off me to resell them, but that's the reality of the marketplace right now. You know, the, the way that you're talking makes you seriously one of my living heroes. Do you understand that? <laughs> well, let's just hope I can keep living for a little while. Everybody always tells me here when they're leaving, don't die, Jerry, because I won't have no place to buy records, you know? It's absolutely... And don't close up. I had them all scared when I was thinking of closing up or selling. Because, by the way, nobody in the world wanted to buy it. Nobody wanted the responsibility of taking care of all these records. You know, if I, let's say I go to Himalayas, right, and I meet the guru, and he tells me to get rid of all my earthly goods, okay? If I did that, and I put a sign up outside, free records, come and get them. After six weeks, over half of these records would still be here. Nobody would take them for nothing. You know what I mean? That's what we're talking about here. Who's going to take all my Herb Elpert and Barry Manilow records and, and Tiffany and Martika and um, Taylor Dane and Debbie Gibson records? Now, who in their right mind is going to take them? Those are artists of lasting value, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. I don't, think they, I don't think they have their own records. They probably moved on in life or so. But, um, you know, that's realistically, half of this stuff, they wouldn't take them for free. Well, you tried that once, right? Tell me about it. Well, I was paying money to store records, you know, renting space. Then I realized I'm never going to sell these records. I'm never even going to get to look at them because there's too many of them. So I, out in front of my store, I gave away over 170,000 records, albums, all in boxes of 100. I gave away 100,000, and then we ran out. The line was around the block and around the corner. We ran out, and so I, I said, well, I got another storage area. I gave them all a little thing, and I said, come back next week, and we'll do it again. And I gave away the other 70,000 of them. But so you, did, you were able to give them away for free. But they had no choice. They couldn't look at them. They had to take the whole box. They were sealed shut. And then a couple times, I'll get a landlord. They'll call me and go, hey, uh, one of my tenants moved. I left six boxes of records. And I say, do they have this name on them? We use these boxes from a moving company. He goes, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. I said, don't bring them to me. In other words, he wants to sell them back to me, <laughs> the ones I gave away. The kid who took them probably took what he wanted out of them and just had left them. So I'm not taking these with me when I move, you know. <laughs> and then he tried to bring them back to sell them. Well, the landlord did, not the kid. Or they put them out in the curb, and then someone sees them and brings them in. And I says, whoa, 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 wait. Nope. He said, well, what do you mean? I, they're records. I says, I gave them away. <laughs> I don't want them. Uh, final final question. Oh, here you got a customer to do. Jerry, I get the Boomer Special, mm. and you know the price on these. There's three uh, in that album. How much you want to give me, Frank? Whatever you uh, feel I can afford. Five bucks. Sure, definitely. I want to give you a sale today. All right. I uh, really, uh, you know, Jerry, tomorrow Sunday is bad day for the buses. Bad day for buses, huh, Frank? You got a five coming, Jerry. All right. You're the first sale today, Frank. So I'm all right. Yeah, I can play right. You're not the last sale today. <laughs> yeah, you're all right, right. Jerry. And uh, get your potatoes at eight. All right. Okay. Did you want to ask me something? Yeah. Vinyl is coming back, man. That's a lot of bull crap. Since we're on an interview, I'll use good language. They're just trying to promote the fifteen to thirty dollar overpriced vinyl that they're putting out for these poor kids to buy and. You know, back in 85, when CDs came in, Rico, somebody said to me, I guess this is the end of vinyl, huh, Jer? 
I guess it's be all CDs. And I said, nah, they'll print vinyl up when they can get more money for it than a CD. They'll make it deluxe and, and limited editions and unissued cuts that you can only get on vinyl. And damn, if I wasn't right. You were the Nostradamus of well, the record industry. I'm not a prophet, but I know how greedy the record business is. And I know their, their policy is to resell you the same thing you already own over and over and over again and convince you that you have to have it, you know? Just like they're doing with these DVDs now. If they, if they have alternative endings and, and other scenes, why don't you put them in the movie? <laughs> you know what I mean? Who wants to watch the cuts? It's like, hey, let's take that stuff off the floor and sell it, you know? Great. Well, let me ask you, so uh, uh, you want to play me a song? I would love to have you play me what your favorite thing that's come through the doors lately is. You know, I like older stuff main, mainly. You know, I like seeing stuff that I've never seen before, but that happens very, very infrequently nowadays. I saw an album by the Sapphires. It was a soul group on Swan Records, you know, which the Beatles were on, I think, for a while. It was called the Sapphires, and it's... It's just a rare album because they only sold um, 45s mostly back then. Nobody was buying albums. I've never seen it before. 33 years. And I collect girl groups, too, and, and I'm going to play it for you. Okay? Weber of Jerry's Records in Pittsburgh, PA. If you're in the area, you should stop by and thank him for his service before he retires at the end of July. By the way, he has found a buyer for his store. Somebody did want to take over all that supposedly unwanted vinyl. So the store will live on. Might not be quite the same without him. Adios, Jerry, and happy trails. All right, we're going to get out of here in a second. But hey, next week, we have a more formal show. It's shaping up to be a beautiful one. We have Alan Alda answering our etiquette questions. Uh, which is a dream come true for both of us. And then we also have Mitski, the musician who put out the Lauded album Puberty 2. And there's lots of other fun stuff in store, so come back and listen to us. It'll be a tidier, better edited <laughs> show. There's a reason we call this one Speakeasy. Till next time, bon appetit. That is a sweet tune. That particular record, I looked it up. That's supposedly worth $300. That's how rare it is. That's just a, a really rare record. And um, I'll be, yeah, I'm going to sell it to him for $30, he says, in his dreams. <laughs>